What's the best software to quickly add a revenue generating funnel to your website? With Gavin Bell. Martech Stacked, episode number five. Brought to you by Content Cal. Plan, collaborate on, approve, and publish your content in one simple and intuitive calendar interface. This is Martech Stacked, the weekly show that delves into the what, which, why, and how of marketing technology. I'm your host, David Bain, and each episode I'll be chatting with a top marketer or a top technologist about what MarTech they use, which are their top tools, why they use the tools that they do, and how they integrate everything together as part of their overarching content marketing strategy and MarTech stack. I'm joined today by a man who helps brands scale through Facebook ads and marketing funnels. He's a popular marketing event speaker, a cracking podcaster, and his agency is a preferred Facebook marketing partner due to its spend of over £1 million in ads per year. Welcome to Mark Tech Stacked, Gavin Bell. Thank you so much for having me here, David. It's, uh, it's an absolute pleasure. Well, pleasure to, to have you on, sir. Of course, you can you can find Gav over at mrgavinbell.com. Um, so, um, Gav, um, explain what your business does and how you use marketing technology to make it better. Yeah, absolutely. So, I guess... There's two main areas to the business. We have on, on one side of things, which is kind of where I started was we've, we have the agency, which you talked about there in the intro, where we work with brands across the world. We, we help them build, create and manage their Facebook ad campaigns and their funnels. So we will work with brands to basically build them like a lead generation system. So that's one side. And the other side is we have a, an educational arm to the business where for the businesses that maybe don't want to hire an agency and outsource that uh, we teach them how to do it so the, of course there's a huge amount of marketing technology that we use across both the agency and uh, in the you know the membership and the the coaching that I do both from a you know using them perspective but also both from a teaching people how to use them perspective as well because you know when it comes to marketing there's so much that you could do and there's so much to do that if we didn't have the technology and the tools that are there on the market for us right now it'd be an enormously time-consuming task more so than it already is uh, and so i think the the main way or the main reason that i use some of these tools is is to boost productivity and to to get more effective results so there's a there's a wide range of tools that we use and uh tools that we recommend and teach to other business owners as well. So in general, are you finding that the number of different marketing technology providers that you use as a business is increasing or perhaps even decreasing slightly over time as your business starts to mature? I think it's probably evened out and leveled out a little bit in the sense that you know, you when you first start a business, you have to find that kind of initial technology stack of right, what's my email provider going to be, et cetera, et cetera. And you kind of build a stack. And then I think over time, you maybe add things on, you remove things, you change some of the tools that you're using to improve or because you get to a point where, the, the, you know, there's tools out there with better you know, better options than previous ones that you'd created. You know, I think I've been through three different email marketing softwares through the years purely based on where I was as a business at each stage of using those different tools. So I would say I've probably leveled out the number of tools I used. I'm always quite wary of bringing in too many 
because I think if you get too many and you start using too many, then you tend to not use them very well. And also, if you have too little, then there are jobs that you're doing where you're maybe paying for somebody to do it where a tool could do it as well. So it's about finding that balance. And I think I've probably stayed, you know, after finding that initial stack, I've probably stayed pretty consistent with the number that I use. So so you must have parts of your business that you're, I guess, more satisfied with than other parts from a marketing technology perspective. We touched on the fact that marketing technology can make what you do much more efficient. Is there a part of your business, such as maybe customer service to people who have signed up to use your services or maybe prospecting that uh, is much more efficient and um, you're much happier with from a marketing technology standpoint? Yeah, I think one area that we've, you know, going back years, I've never really uh, had a, a strong grasp on until the last, say, six or 12 months really was our CRM system. So, you know, from an agency perspective, it's vital that you have uh, a system that allows you to see initial inquiries all the way into phone calls, proposals, customers. And I probably being, you know, when you first start the business, it's just you. Everything's kind of in your head, written down on notepads and things. Didn't really see the need for a system like that. And over the years, as we start to grow and different opportunities come our way, it was kind of crucial that I found a CRM system that that worked for me. And, and I'm not going to lie, I, I struggled for quite some time to find a tool that I liked and suited my needs. And I was able to learn in the kind of, you know, without having a huge amount of time, try and learn it. And it's not too overcomplicated. And it was only last six or 12 months when I brought on a, mem- a new member of the team and they had the skill set in the CRM system that we then started to use it properly and I think since starting to use it properly it's been an absolute game changer because no longer are people inquiring on the website and I'm replying to them and they don't reply back and that's it the end of it is now we have you know we track everyone that comes into the business how much are they worth to the business have we sent them a proposal yet and we're looking every single week can we move people forward and and you know when you, I mean you look at that you can you can just imagine how that improves conversion rate from lead to customer and how we can then keep customers on and, and keep, continue to uh, keep working with them. And a great great example of that is, you know, somebody hired me to do a, a live training workshop last year. And on the back of that, you know, there's a kind of usual email that you might expect, which was, that was so great. Thanks so much. We'd love to work with you again. And normally that would just get forgotten about and nothing would ever happen. But when you've got a CRM and a system in place, you can set it up to say, well, remind me in a year to follow up with them and try get another one of these workshops again. So um, I'm, I think the CRM side of the business is something that's improved massively recently. And uh, it's been a it's been a, a great journey. Absolutely. It's, it's an essential element of professionalizing your business, really. And it's quite interesting, the, the conversations that I have with people about marketing technology, CRM often comes up. Episode number one, Lucas Zelezny focused in on pipe drive and how, how that was so important to him. Uh, episode number four, Phil Nottingham uh, had HubSpot CRM um, with, within his selection. So I'd be keen to hear if, I guess, your selection is one of them, something else, and if it indeed makes it into your top three. So let's focus in on your, your top three selections. So starting off with number three, what are your th- top three tools in your current MarTech stack and why? Yeah, number three for me is is actually Calendly, which is perhaps not a, a marketing mm. technology in 
if we looked at what the, the tool does, but the way in which we use it as a business is massive. It just makes the process so much more efficient. So I, I do a lot of direct response advertising to, to bring people into the business. And one of the ways that we do that is we, you know, get somebody to look, to watch a webinar and then offer them the chance to book in a call. Now, Calendly just simplifies that whole process for us because no longer do we have to spend time trying to find the right time and then that lead is no longer interested. It's you watch the webinar, you click the button to book a call and you get instant access into my diary or one of the team's diaries to book in a call. Mm. Uh, so that is a tool that, you know, for the price that you pay for Calendly is just, it, ha it had to be in my top three because the amount of time and energy that it saves us and the amount of money it makes us as a result is is just amazing. And did you consider other schedule booking tools? Because I've used Schedule once in the past. I've used Acuity Scheduling. I'm probably in the middle of considering other tools for a similar kind of service at the moment. I did look at Calendly and the, the only thing that put me off slightly about Calendly was that um, you can't um, use your own subdomain and point that towards Calendly, I believe, and, and have it look as if it's definitely just your own website that's, that's operating on there. Um, are there any other tools that you actually considered? I mean, I've, I've had a look at Schedule once before. Uh, I haven't had a look at Acuity, but I felt like Calendly for me just was the one that felt and looked to the nicest. And one of the things that we do to make it, you know, to touch on your point there about the custom domain is we just have a redirect on my website. Mm -hmm. So if you go to like mrgavinbell.com forward slash 30 mins, it will take you directly to the Calendly 30 minute slot in my diary. Uh, so it's super easy and super quick. And um, it just feels and it's just really easy to use whereas i felt that the other ones were slightly more clunky looking and feeling yeah and it takes longer to set up sometimes as well and that even though it's only maybe a couple of hours it's that oh do i really want to spend a couple of hours doing this or do i, do I want something that can get up and running within five minutes yeah exactly so that's tool number three what, what is your tool number two tool number two is quite an interesting one for me actually because we just made a massive change back to this tool um, I spoke about email marketing software earlier uh, in that we I've used three different tools over the years. So I started off with MailChimp and then moved to ConvertKit when I wanted a little bit more uh, automations. And then we recent, well, about 12 months ago, moved to ActiveCampaign because I wanted even more automations with the membership site that I had. And only recently, in the last seven days, we have moved back to ConvertKit. Mm. So ConvertKit is my number two. And the reason that I love ConvertKit. Well, and it, when I initially chose ConvertKit, it was because it had really nice sequencing. It was easy to use, um, more so than MailChimp. We then moved to ActiveCampaign because I launched a membership site and I, I really wanted some uh, kind of advanced automations. So for things such as if somebody hadn't logged into the site in 60 days, they got reminder emails to come back and log in, these types of things, which ConvertKit, I mean, maybe does do, but it didn't do intuitively, which ActiveCampaign does. But we've kind of pivoted the business a little bit and no longer have the need for all those advanced automations inside active campaign and i just found myself using spending too much time trying to edit emails and the open rates weren't as great with active campaign so i kind of had a huff and just went back to convertkit last week and did the big migration over and i'm delighted i did because I, the, some of the things that i love about convertkit are the fact it's very easy to do split tests if you're doing a broadcast. So you can split test the headline and see which one works best. And editing emails in an automation sequence 
is so straightforward and so quick and easy to do. Whereas active campaign, it's you have to go on, find it, click on edit, it loads a new page, then you do it. It just takes a little bit longer. And when I want to do things quickly and easily, uh, ConvertKit came out on top for me. That is interesting. I talked to Ian Anderson Grave and he had Active Campaign as one of his selections. And Active Campaign are obviously a, a wonderful tool, especially as you, you've alluded to, if you use the more marketing automation um, type uh, features with it within its arsenal. Um, but um, I'd like to maybe just talk a little bit about open rates because that was an interesting point that you, you felt open rates weren't quite as good. Do you think that's because you built your audience up on ConvertKit and um, their um, email software um, providers were used to receiving emails from you from a certain server and it was simply the the change as opposed to any negativity with 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 active campaigns servers that that were the that was the issue there yeah i mean if i'm totally honest i have no mm. idea why that difference was but looking at all the emails we sent from active campaign i think we were the open rates were really low i think you know between 15 and 20 percent when we have moved back to convert and before active campaign we're sitting at 25 plus mm. um i also find that the click-through rates on ConvertKit are slightly higher as well. And I, and I don't have a scientific reason or a you know a proper mm. reasoning behind why, behind why, but I think if I look at my own email marketing software or email marketing consumer behavior, when I get an email that looks like it's written by somebody in the formatting of it as opposed to a newsletter, I'm much more likely to click on it. And ConvertKit's emails are very basic in their formatting okay. so i don't know whether that has a part to play so there's still html but very light touch touchy html maybe just the the footer has a couple of images in there but uh, every, everything that you have in there is still trackable but yeah i mean that, that's that, that's certainly a possibility if you get something that looks like a newsletter um i, I guess there's an option within active campaign of, of altering that but it, it it does i think emphasize the importance of selecting software that um offers your business precisely what you require, but maybe nothing more. If you try and um, go for a convoluted piece of software, you'll end up spending too much time in it and not enjoying it quite so much. Yeah, I just, I think I think the enjoyment factor is a big yeah. part of it. You know, when you're doing a lot of something, i.e. sending emails, and for us, when we've got memberships, different tiers of the memberships, you know, a general newsletter that's going out, so multiple emails every week, you need to have a tool that is enjoyable, easy, and well fun to use and have you tried to bring in other forms of communication um like messages on social media platforms or even sms or do you, do you still primarily focus on email and that's the most important form of communication for you yeah um, email's still the most important and the and the main one we did actually run a five-day challenge just a few weeks back and the main form of communication for that was messenger uh, Facebook Messenger, which was really interesting because, I mean, the the five day challenge was hosted in a Facebook group, so it made sense for the for us to use Messenger to give people updates about the five day challenge. And we, but whilst we were doing that, we were still combining that with you know email marketing efforts, so people were getting the message in two different places. So, email is still the main place that we use, and and probably will be, but Messenger is one of those things where. Um, 
it's we we use it on and off depending on you know do we have a specific campaign or a specific thing we we need it and for. then i guess ideally then you try and drive people from messenger to email afterwards and then just communicate with them by email afterwards yep absolutely i'm a massive massive uh, advocate of trying to own all of your traffic so getting people off of social media off of messenger and bring them onto your mailing list so you've got control of that that asset okay um so you selected calendly as uh, tool number three um with um tool number two um it was convert kits what is tool number one tool number one is actually another one that starts with c i just realized all my <laughs> tools start with c and it is click funnels okay so i think it's maybe a bit of a controversial one to some people um because i, th- I feel it gets a lot of stick from from some but convert kit uh, sorry click funnels for me has just been an absolute game changer in uh, the success of all of our funnels and the direct response advertising that we do and and the reason i love it is because we've got multiple funnels people watching webinars coming in downloading free guides and uh, you know signing up to the five-day challenge etc that we did and the reason i love click funnels so much is because it's qu- so quick and easy to create a good looking page that converts well and for you know things such as when we're starting to sell courses or parts of courses or if we have trip wire offers click funnels we can we can create it within 5 minutes you know so we can create a you know one of our funnels is free guide thank you page that tries to sell a 9 pound course you can then add what's called an order bump to the checkout page so immediately somebody ticks it they get an add on to their their order then we've got upsell pages, downsell pages, and you can create that all within a couple of hours. And, you know, if you get something like that right, breaking even, making profit, for me, that's one of the, you know, to be able to make profit on something that you only took a couple of hours to make is pretty incredible. And I've used all the other tools out there, lead pages, Unbounce, Instapage, and they're all great tools. But for me, ClickFunnels just beats them in terms of ease of use, the ability to test different things very quickly, uh, which you know, which is ultimately what you need to do in order to to get results. You chose the three C's um, because you're on the Content Call podcast, didn't you? That's uh, all pre- <laughs> premeditated beforehand. Uh, so, so ClickFunnels. Um, I think that you're on WordPress as a main website. Does the ClickFunnels integrate yep. quite nicely with WordPress? It's. Um, Probably not as nicely as I would like it to. I mean, there is uh, an old ClickFunnels plugin which allowed you to create nice URLs. So you know, could have mrgavinbell.com forward slash whatever, uh, and it would send people to the the funnel. But doesn't it? But that plugin hasn't been updated in like over a year, so I don't I don't use it. The what we what you have to do is essentially create a subdomain for your ClickFunnels domain. So you know, if I'm sending people anywhere, it'll be you know, academy.mrgavinbell.com forward slash free guide, for example. So uh, that's one area. And I don't know how that compares to the other tools, if I'm honest, but that's one area in which I wish it, I wish there was something that could be improved upon there. But you obviously like a lot about it. You, you mentioned Insta, uh, Insta page, I think, and lead pages. What ultimately drew you towards uh, ClickFunnels instead of those, uh, those other options? For me, it's the ability to create more complex funnels as opposed to lead pages so with click funnels like i say you can create a 
you know free guide you can have your order form form on there with an order bump with upsells downsells etc mm. and you can do that very quickly and also the split testing feature that ClickFunnels has is, is great which means if i i can create a landing page for a free guide let's say and i can create a split test which means 50 percent of the traffic goes to one 50 percent of the traffic goes to the other one and ClickFunnels will tell you which ones perform best and you can do that for all of your different pages within a funnel, which means, you know, I can test different headlines, test a video versus an image and see which one is performing better for me and which one's not. And it's just and the ability to do that, but do it quickly is um, ultimately what wins it for me, because, it's, you know, like I said, I've already touched upon being able to action things and do things quickly is, um, you know, a marketer's dream because I, I just love testing things all day long and I want to be able to do them quickly and easily and ClickFunnels allows me to do that. It's funny that the software that seems to be recommended by most people um, goes through certain, I guess, uh, years of popularity. Lead pages used to be particularly popular five or six years ago or so, and you don't hear about it quite so much nowadays. So, I mean, I haven't used it for, for, for quite a while um, either. Um Let's get a feel for, um, I'll tell you what I also was going to ask you quickly. Have you ever used Thrive Themes as well? Because Thrive, uh, Thrive Themes um, integrates quite nicely with WordPress as well. And you can create different landing pages using that. And I do hear quite a few people talking about that. Um, have you happened to use that? I think I remember trying to use that a couple of years ago and just feeling like it wasn't as easy as I wanted it okay. to be. I can't remember specifically why or you know, why I specifically chose to use it, but I'm pretty certain I tried using it uh, for the reason of it being able to integrate really nicely with WordPress. And it, I, I feel like it was clunky. It might, it might have changed by now, but um, I feel like it was pretty clunky. And uh, again, ClickFunnels just, was just easier for, for me. You. Um, let, let's get a, a feel for, or a better feel for where these different tools fit into your overarching content marketing strategy as well. Um, maybe where your call to actions primarily lie. Obviously, Calendly is um, a tool that you use for bookings. Um, I'd like to get a feel for if that's an important call to action that you use or that's further down the funnel. Um, so can you share maybe a little bit about what your your ongoing content marketing strategy is? Um, where do you tend to, to publish your content? In what kind of form? And um, how do you attempt to take people through your funnel from discovering your content yeah absolutely so our 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 content strategy is mostly based on the questions that we are asked as a business most often and trying to answer them combined with keywords and a bit of an seo play so looking at what people are searching for uh, and what's working and we might be slightly pivoting that a little bit which i'll talk about but my my content strategy essentially is taking these big chunky topics so let's say it's something like a question that we're asked all the time which is what should my facebook ads budget be so we take that and i will then film a video first and foremost so most of my content is all video based so i'll create a video that will be posted to youtube facebook linkedin all of the different platforms uh, and then after the video is posted i have a writer who then will t take that uh, video turn it into a blog and that will then find its way onto the website um, and then what we will typically try and do is take that video and chop it up into little different segments and those will go out on the likes of instagram and, and twitter that's kind of the main strategy that i've been using 
this year. At the, at the end of last year, we also launched a podcast, uh, which was in, initially called Funnily Enough Show, moved to the Funnel Academy Show, and uh, exclusive might be changing once again as we pivot slightly again. And um, that the strategy behind that is more of a how can I bring people in that I want to speak to and want to get to know as well as being able to produce content that is really useful for the people in the that we want to be working with with our coaching and our courses. Now the slight pivot that I spoke about there was one of the things I've been doing recently that's working really well for the business is actually going away from these big chunky 10-15 minute videos and creating really short fun snappy uh, almost spoof type videos and I'm finding that when I produce more of them they're getting better reach and I'm getting more inquiries as a result of those so that's something that we're looking at doing whilst carrying on the podcast but the strategy really for the, for all of the content has really been to get people to take two actions which is either to jump into our funnel and book a call essentially with to uh, with the agency services or to join the membership that I had. Now the membership is currently closed as we're going to move towards a course model, but those are that that's always been the two call to actions that we want people to take. Free trials and booking in a call. So obviously if we take a look at the you know the three tools that I spoke about there, ClickFunnels is essentially what we use to get people from consuming my content and into my funnel. So getting people to watch a webinar or download a guide. And then on the back end of that, Calendly is what we use to try and get them to book in the phone call. And then on the back end of that, ConvertKit is what we use to continue to communicate with those people. So lots going on there. Um, for the shorter videos that you, you mentioned there that you get more engagement with, have you found that um, those videos tend to appeal with your target audience or you found it difficult to actually measure um, the precise nature of the audience who are engaging with those videos? And you know, are you doing anything within that content to attempt to appeal to a certain type of person? Yeah. So for, firstly, yes, absolutely. They're, they're definitely appealing. And I, I would say they're appealing more than the big chunkier topics. Now, it's slightly different when the topic that you're creating is maybe a bottom of funnel answering a very specific question that somebody has that they might ask you in the sales process, such as, uh, you know, how much does it cost to work with you? For example, it's slightly different. You're never going to get virality with a video like that, but you're not aiming to get virality with a video like that. The shorter videos are really, I guess, what I'm trying to do to get this top of funnel awareness, because the reality is if you post a 15 minute video on Facebook around how much does Facebook ads cost, you're not going to get, it's not going to go viral. People probably aren't going to share it and you're not going to get a huge amount of engagement, despite the fact it might be a really valuable piece of content. So what you have to do is play to the platforms and what people actually want to consume on the platforms, which is typically shorter, entertaining content. So if we can produce that and get people aware of who you are, then one, they're more likely to take the call to actions that you want them to take. But two, they're more likely to go and then consume those longer pieces or more bottom of funnel pieces of content that you're creating as well. So are you, for these shorter videos, um, are you... Uh for uh, a lot of them actually boosting them um, with a view to retargeting people with your longer form content? Yeah, uh, my, my philosophy when it comes to promoting content has always been promote, what's, promote what works organically. So there's a common issue that I see a lot of business owners 
making, which is they'll try and boost everything or they'll boost the content that's not working. So it tries to get up to the content that's doing well. Whereas what we should do is purely focus spending our money on what's working. So if you produce a video two years ago that is still relevant and performs better than all of the videos that you've done in the last two years, spend money promoting that one. Don't spend money promoting the ones that no longer work. So yeah, we will spend money on the ones that, that do well. And what would, be, what would be an example of metrics that prove that a video is working and that you should spend money boosting it? Yeah, so I mean, first and foremost, there are, I, I tend to just look at the views and the engagement and make a, well, I can tell based on the normal videos that I produce that we maybe get 30 likes. This video got 50 likes. So that says to me it's probably doing pretty well. So that's kind of a non-scientific guide to deciding what we promote. But you can you can go, if we take Facebook specifically, you can go further into the metrics and see what's actually happening. So for example, you can look at Facebook, what's the average watch time of that video? Now the average watch time for a video on Facebook is only six seconds. So if we're seeing that the average watch time of the video is maybe 25 seconds, let's say, then I'm going, well, people are actually paying attention to this video. And even if I know this video is something that overcomes an objection that my customers always face, even if it's not got the best engagement, but the average watch time is really high, I know people are watching it, then I might look at promoting that one as well. So it's about, you know, looking at the, the kind of public numbers of likes, comments, engagements, shares, but also sometimes looking at the comments that not everyone can see the average watch time and, and making a decision based on that. Great. Okay. I'm going to take a, a step back into marketing technology again in one second, but I'm going to probe just a little bit deeper into to Facebook and just ask you, um, for a video that you've published that you've paid to boost, is there an optimum length of time that you would do that for, i.e. after one month, two months, is that video going to get stale with your target audience and should you think of publishing a new one or if a video continues to get views after six months, a year, should you just keep on um, paying to boost that one? Yeah, so I'm, I always create every campaign that I create on Facebook to run forever. So I'm creating it like it's going to run forever. Now that doesn't mean I'm going to run it forever, but I'm creating it like it is. So I'd never set a time limit and say, we want to turn it off after 30 days because the reality is if it's working, then we want to keep doing it. So there's metrics that you can look at for this. The main one being the frequency score inside Facebook, which tells you how many times your audience has seen that ad or has seen that video. And when that gets to around three, people have seen it three times, that's when you're going right. We should probably change it up now. Brilliant tips. So as your business grows, what's an example of a process that you currently do manually that you may wish to automate using marketing technology in the future? So I had a big think about this question and I feel like there probably is a tool out there that does this, but the fact that I haven't found one or haven't used one that has made me feel good about using it is why I'm going to include it, which is there are numbers in my business which I always want to track. And, you know, these are things that everybody likes, likes to track, such as, you know, email open rates, email click-through rates, um, funnel conversion rates, landing page conversion rates. And I wish there was a really nice, easy tool that integrated with all these different tools I use and just created a nice dashboard that I didn't have to manually go and update or I didn't have a team member that had to go and manually update it. And it just showed me in one screen Right, your open rates this week were thirty uh, percent. That is an increase in five percent. Your on the same screen, your podcast listeners are up ten percent. That's an increase from five percent last week, uh, and just something that was 
a really nice reporting dashboard that gave you context as well as the numbers that did it automatically. You didn't have to do it manually. So you could then go, right, why did this number change last week and what can we do about it? I think a lot of people um, that I talk to are looking for that one piece of software to bring fairly quick intelligence about um, everything that's going on in their business. And it's a challenge because perhaps tools exist out there that allow you to bring in sources of different data, um, but it's really making something meaningful out of that. And um, uh, I guess it re would require a little bit of artificial intelligence to actually know precisely which areas are going to be more important to focus on because those those metrics that are most important would change, I guess, from week to week as well. So, so perhaps it's a tool that is in development at the moment but uh, may not exist for a couple of years' time. But uh, let, let's I hope, hope so. it does. Yeah, exactly. I mean, people have su suggested tools like segment.com. Um, people use Tableau to, to pull data together, use uh, Google Data Studio as well. But um, I think they all rely on you knowing you know, what data that you require. And uh, I think you're talking about something a bit more, you know, just get the tool to do the work for me to decide what's the most important thing. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, that possibly leads up into this next question, which is um, what is something that you have in mind that would be a wonderful piece of marketing technology that you perhaps doesn't even exist yet, um, but you would love to see created? Yeah, I mean, I think it would be that, if I'm honest. I think it would be something... I, th I think when it comes to marketing technology, there there are only a really a few, main, few things that a tool should do, which is save the person using them time and allow the person that's using them to get better results with by using that tool and you know if there was a tool out there that allowed me to save time by not having to do it myself or manually and get somebody to create a report for me and then gave me context to those different things so we could go right the podcast is down this week what changed with our podcasting schedule for example like what did we do differently which would then give you actionable goals to go and implement uh, and actionable tasks to go and implement as a result would be um, would be a lifesaver, really. Absolutely. Um, the challenge isn't getting the data. It's um, it's asking all those whys to to drill down into the, the real reason why something actually happened. Uh, Gavin, you, you've offered a lot of great um, advice and information as part of our discussion. Um, you're quite comfortable with me taking detours into Facebook and coming back into the core MarTech discussion. So what would you say is the, the key takeaway for the listener from today's discussion? I think the key thing, which we've kind of touched upon, is... You know, when it comes to marketing is really the only thing that you have to do in order to have success with marketing is test everything that you do. So we've touched upon numbers, we've touched upon uh, funnels, we've touched upon ads and Facebook and content. We've touched on loads of different things. But the reality that is for all these things, if you can test them all and have a system that allows you to test these things, then you can't not fail because if you're producing content, and a video doesn't work ask yourself why stop doing things that don't work and when you find videos that do work do more of those different things and the same comes with the funnel you know what is working with your funnel what's what are people engaging with do more of that stop doing the things that don't work so for me marketing is just a big testing game and the more you test and the more you iterate and the more that you stop doing the things that don't work do the things that do work the more chance of of getting success you'll have
Lovely. Okay, well, um, I think it's been another great conversation as, as, as part of the series. It's another conversation that I've wanted to keep on diving deeper into each answer that you, you give. I know we, we can't um, just keep on talking forever, but um, I feel that I could go in deeper and deeper. And um, uh, hopefully for the listener, I've, I've selected the, the, the right levels to go into before uh, getting back on track and uh, and uh, going, going for the next uh, question that I'd uh, highlighted with you beforehand. Um, Gavin, thank you so much um, for your time and your tips today what's the best way for a listener to find out more about you and what you do yeah the best way to to have a chat see what i do is just head over to my website it's mrgavinbell.com and it's the same on social media as well mrgavinbell.com no it's not .com it's mrgavinbell <laughs> everywhere on social and my website's mrgavinbell.com superb stuff uh, it was all very simple to remember but you still tripped up with it no it's uh, it's it's yeah. easy for the listener to remember so that's 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 very good indeed thanks again thanks for having me And thank you, dear listener, for joining us. If you haven't done so already, sign up for your free trial of Content Cal, plan, collaborate on, approve and publish your content in one simple and intuitive calendar interface. Plus check out all the other MarTech Stack Show episodes over at contentcal.io. Also, wherever you're watching or listening to this show, let us know your opinion. What are the three most important marketing technologies in your business? Let us know and we'll try and give you a shout out on a future show or maybe even have you on as a future guest. Thanks again.